welcome to another episode of the Miles Offside podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nothing. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy from Afar, and with me as always is my co-host Chuck Bailey. Good evening. Recording on a Monday today, how's that feel? Um, well, every day kind of feels the same to me at the minute, because I'm off work waiting for the baby to come. So it's very blend into one. Um, I, I'd actually forgotten it was a Monday until you just said. <laughs> <laughs> Not very punctual, your baby, huh? No, she's like four days late. Fuck's sake. Uh, Stimmers, you have some, some experience with waiting for a baby to come out, right? How's that? Any advice for Chuck? I didn't want to bring it up for Chuck because it's it's not good. But uh, yeah, we went fourteen days over. Fourteen. Yeah, and uh, it was two long weeks. I wasn't going to bring it up. I really wasn't because <laughs> it's uh, it's so fucking boring at this point. It's just impatience. Yeah, yeah. It's just got all this stuff that's in my house and can't use it yet. And what's the weirdest thing you've got? Has anyone bought you like a baby wipe warmer? <laughs> Is that a thing? Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. that genuinely it's, it's a thing? It's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's basically like, you know, like a hotel toaster. And uh, you could put your baby wipe through it. Cause, and I thought, I was like, when I saw that in the shops, I was like, that is such bullshit. And then the first time the baby <laughs> balls the fucking house down because you put a cold wipe on their ass, you're like, oh, I should have bought that fucking wipe toaster. <laughs> when, when you said uh, like a hotel toaster then, I still had an image of you folding up a baby wipe and pressing the plunger down and waiting. <laughs> and, and then I realised it's the ones on like that yeah, cafe yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, that would not smell good either. A toasted baby oh. wipe. Really isn't, isn't the coldness the best bit? Uh, maybe it's just for adults. I don't know. Not to the baby, like, I guess. It's quite refreshing. Say. Yeah, they seem to get pissed off about it when they're nice and toasty, and then you slam a cold baby wipe around the bits. All good stuff to come. I mean, I do love a warm towel too. So you know, same thing for a baby. Yeah. yeah so if you are joining us for the first time, welcome. Happy to have you on board. For those of you that are returning. Uh, happy to have you back. We are going to go through some rapid-fire news that's neither rapid nor news. Um, take you through last week's fixtures, highlighting a couple of the more interesting or important ones. Take a break, come back with listener questions, check in on a few of the competitions that we're running. And we won't really check in on next week's fixtures because there are no fixtures next week. So hopefully there's a good amount of listener questions to get through. Speaking of which, if you do want to send in your questions or a topic for us to talk about next week, reach out on social media. Stimmers, how can they find us on social media? We are Miles Offside Pod on Twitter, and you can find us at Miles Offside on Facebook, and uh, milesoffsidepod at gmail.com if you've got anything to email us. Awesome. And I have been meaning to do this towards the top, so I'm going to do it now. Please leave us reviews. It would be so nice. It takes two seconds, even now while you're listening. Just be like, wow, these guys are idiots. Leave us five stars. It'll help people to find us. It'll help us continue growing as a podcast. All right. Well, let's get into it right away with some rapid, rapid, rapid fire news. Excellent. I'm still not over how awesome that is. One week, we won't react to it. <laughs> it will just Maybe happen. a year from now. It'll just let it happen. <laughs> First up, Christian Eriksen's stomach injury may be chronic, says Denmark coach. The 26-year-old has featured in six matches but has not played since September 22. Um, such an injury can be chronic, and it's true that Tottenham also fears that. Do we think this is going to be a serious issue for the whole season for him? or Is this just a case of lactose intolerance flaring up because his new stadium has a cheese room? <laughs> <laughs> He's been smashing through a load of camembert. Can't deal with it. 
Mm, getting that delicious Leodama. Num, 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 num. <laughs> oh, he's just got the shits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I am, I'm always really skeptical of like injury reports and injuries coming out during the international break. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, Antonio Rudiger has a quote-unquote hamstring issue, but he's still training just right. with Chelsea instead of it. Like, yeah. no one wants to go to this stupid international break, including no. the players. But imagine being a Danish futsal player and you hear Christian Eriksen's injured. And you think, <laughs> yes, I've got another chance. I've got another chance to lose 3-0 to Slovakia, guys. <laughs> Would Spurs be more worried about losing Eriksen for the season or Kane for the season? At this point, not sure. Yeah. I mean, they've been playing mostly without Ericsson now. They've been playing mostly without Kane. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, but the psychological impact of having like Fernando Lorente starting there is not the same. <laughs> yeah, cannot be underestimated, can it? Yeah, no. Kane hasn't even been playing striker since Ericsson's been out. He's been Mora has been the striker, and Ericsson is, uh, and Kane is playing distinctly behind him, yeah. which is insane. I think I think Ericsson is their most important player to me. Yeah, um, they can't really, they're not in a position to be affording losing players for any length of time. No. So what you're saying is he just needs to stop eating cheese? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that should be job one, yeah. Yeah, Christian, if you're out there, just just put the cheesecake down, all right? Just put it down, don't care how delicious it is, it's just not worth it. All right, put it down. Next section. <laughs> yeah, next. <laughs> uh Next up, John Terry has retired from football after 23 incredible years. Former England captain, former Chelsea captain, um, I think highest scoring defender in the history of the Premier League, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, A whole bunch of accolades. Do you guys care at all? Obviously, Chelsea fans do, but you guys don't. Or do you? (laughs) There does seem to be a very sort of uh, a schism between Chelsea fans and the rest of us in that Chelsea fans absolutely adore him and the the rest of us, England aside, sort of uh, don't have uh, that much respect for John Terry. But I think I think he gets a bit of a harsh rap. Uh, I mean, probably Wayne Bridge wouldn't say so, but um, <laughs> <laughs> he'd, he'd, I've I've had cause to meet him once or twice uh, in an old job, and he was such a he was a really nice guy, but. Yeah, you do hear the odd thing that just makes you think, oh, I'm not sure about him. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the behind-the-scenes stories of like young players who were in the Chelsea Academy who didn't quite make it, or parents who were trying to bring their kids to the club. Everybody says he's like the nicest guy, but then obviously yeah. there's a lot of other stuff going on there. Um, yeah. But you can only speak as you find, and he, he, yeah, he did seem like a, a very nice guy. Chuck is being oddly quiet, which makes I me know, think that he's really behaving himself. Because <laughs> I haven't been drinking this week, guys. You won't get it out of me. Very good. Well, congrats on a great career, John Terry. I know you're a big fan of the pod, so. <laughs> big fan. Big fan, JT. is big fan. He loves it. Never miss it. did. I did get to meet him once um, when they were yeah. here in the US. Uh, this was before the my blog days or anything, so I like had nothing to do with sports media. But we knew, we found out where they were practicing, so like... I want to say like 50 of us just went and like camped out behind a chain link fence where they were practicing. I had to leave my car double parked on the side of like a highway basically and like run across a field to be able to go there. But like somebody on Twitter had put out the call. So we went and he and David Louise and Frank Lampard came over and were like, you know, thank you for taking the time to come watch us practice and support us. We yeah, really appreciate cool. blah, blah, blah. And they came over, they did autographs for everybody, took pictures with everybody. Yeah. Um, and we were definitely like trespassing and not supposed to be there, but they still were like, oh, good fans. You know, we appreciate the support. Blah, blah, blah. 
So I have I have good memories of him, but Alright, moving on. Wolves player Matt Doherty has been voted September's PFA Player of the Month, ahead of Eden Hazard with 26% of the vote, and Alexandre Lacazette with 18% of the vote. Matt Doherty got 39% of the votes for Player of the Month in September. Is that insane? Yeah, we've gone into this already. The bloody awards don't mean anything. Yeah, this one was voted on by fans. And usually when it's like a fan-voted thing and the award comes out with the wrong result, you're like, oh, it was Liverpool. Or, or Arsenal, yeah. Right, but this was like, it's not like there's that many Wolves fans. No, true. I think Wolves have surprised everyone, and, and you can't you can't deny that Wolves have done well and they're seventh in the league, but nah. They're all fantasy football players. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, for me, Hazard's been by far the best player this, so far this year, right? Like, is it... Am I being totally Chelsea biased there, or if if no, it, you're, I think you're right. Yeah, stand um, out. He's been better than any one individual Man City. He's been better than any one individual Liverpool player. Um, he's mm. been better than the whole Tottenham squad. <laughs> Put together. Um, okay, cool. So so it's bullshit. <laughs> so Matt, if you could just give your award back, mate, that'll be great. Yeah, just just send it over to. Uh... Eden's house. Just forward sure it on. will be much happier. Forward it on to the Garden of Eden. Cool. Next up. Uh, the Bologna or shortlist came out. I don't know if you guys saw the 30-man nominees, official nominees. Is that a, yeah, not is so that a short. shortlist? Can it be? It tends like a shortlist, isn't it? I mean, there are like thousands of professional, quote-unquote professional, soccer players in the world. So like 30 is pretty, pretty small yeah, but, compared to... But like, if I asked you, make a list of your favorite players, like that's going to be like... Over 10, right? Yeah. That's going to be a list. If I ask you to write a short list, that's going to be like six, seven, eight. You know, that's a short list. I don't know. I have trouble. I have problems making short lists. Like to me, a short list would be about 20, probably if I just. Okay. Like... So, so you, you consider lists long and your idea of a short list is shorter than this list. I guess that's true. But you yeah. didn't think this was the direction we were going to go in, listeners? <laughs> Semantics. <laughs> yeah. Notably, in the th- even though 30 is a very large list, as Chuck is saying. No, I'm not saying it's a very large list. I'm just saying it's <laughs> not a short Christ, list. <laughs> okay. Notably, even among the 30, which is not a short, short list, somehow Mo Salah managed to stay off of it. There are three Liverpool people on the 30-player, quote, short list. Sadio Mane makes it. Bobby Firmino makes it. And Allison, their new keeper, makes it. But Mo Salah somehow doesn't make the fucking list. Is that crazy or what? Yes. I don't understand how... If, if we were just talking about individual player contribution, like, Mo, it, it was Mo Salah last year. So I find it a bit, yeah, load of shit. Get rid. Not that any of the three of them should win it. But, you know, I, Salah should be there over both of those. Yeah, or uh, Mario Mandzukic, too, made the list from Juventus, even though, like... He didn't have a particularly standout season, and Juventus didn't have a particularly standout season either. Like, they didn't make the Champions League final. I don't think they did the double or anything like that. Like, I feel like Mo Salah just doesn't get the recognition he deserves, except for stupid um, stupid goal of the year awards <laughs> for not even <laughs> yeah. his best goal. Yeah, which yeah. then his recognition isn't deserved. Give it back, Mo. Give it back, and then you'll get your nomination. <laughs> you fucking fraud. Everybody give back the awards, and we let's will do, decide. Let's do a full award reclamation squad. Let's go around Salah's house. Let's go around fucking Doherty's house. Let's get those awards back, guys. Let Doherty have his award. Jesus Christ. No! 
Honestly. Can't have it. He doesn't deserve it, Ian. He doesn't deserve it. Thank yeah. you. Okay. I'm with you, Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> Recount. <laughs> Seems so harsh. All right, well, that wraps it up for Rapid Fire News. Um, that's neither really rapid nor actually news. And that can bring us to our main segment for the week, which is going through last week's fixtures. Um, Friday, there was Brighton versus West Ham. Did any of you catch that match? Uh, watched it, but don't remember it. No, I watched it as well, but can barely remember. I remember um, Murray still looks good. Um, uh, yeah, that upsets me. Upsets <laughs> you, yeah, yeah. Despite being about as old as me. Um, but yeah, apart from I think that. He's I... actually older than you, Ian, isn't he? Is he? No. He's 36. Oh, he is. He's two years older than me. Fuck me. He's two years older than me and he's doing that. Jesus Christ. Actually, and I'm, I'm, he's still I'm... being touted for an England call up. Stimson, <laughs> dust your boots off. Two years. I've got two years still to get that England call up. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't catch Brighton West Ham. It doesn't look like from the stats that anything particularly interesting happened. West Ham generated 1.3 but didn't score. But that happens. That's just natural variance. Um, yeah, I don't think there's much to say about that one unless you guys really want to interject. Nope. All right, moving right along. Uh, Burnley Huddersfield was a thing that happened. I think the less we say about it, the better. <laughs> Such an underwhelming match. They are I, I, horrible teams. I liked it for all those people that thought, oh, Burnley are going to make a comeback. Nope. Nope. Outperformed Gen- in basically every category by Huddersfield. By Huddersfield, yep. Generated 0.4 XG, scored one. So again, more than double their <laughs> XG generation. Uh, they somehow allowed Huddersfield to score on them and like generated 1.1 on the road Huddersfield. Like, how fucking bad are Burnley? At what point does Sam Vokes get his way into your elite striker status, Oscar? <laughs> <laughs> We uh we got a long way to go before that. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Yeah, there'd need to be like a very selective culling of at least thirty-seven strikers in the Premier League. I think <laughs> all come down with IBS after visiting the cheese room. Yeah, they all catch yeah. Ericsson syndrome. I continue to think that Burnley are like probably the worst team, and just happen to not be actualizing those results. <laughs> Um, they're, they're so fucking bad. Them and Newcastle. I'm inclined to agree with you simply because of the fact not only did they concede more XG to Huddersfield when Huddersfield were away, but Huddersfield had 68% possession in that game. Jeez. They had 19 shots, only, <laughs> only two of which were on target though, guys. So let's yep, not... That's how you get 1.1 out of 19 <laughs> yeah. shots. Yeah. And, and they had 10 corners. Like... To be seemingly attacking dominated by Huddersfield in that way, like that's what we were talking about a few weeks ago, where Burnley do not play that brand of football where they can realistically chase their way back up the table. But somehow they are there again. And it just, they, they just beg a belief. Like they absolutely beg belief. They're, they're on fucking eight points from eight games and they're shit. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Speaking of teams that are shit. Yeah. Chuck, anything to say about Palace losing to Wolves at home? It was one of the most boring games of football I've ever watched. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't watch that one. Of all the uh, 10 a.m. matches, that was not the one I chose, <laughs> surprisingly. No, um, player of the month, Matt Doherty there, getting a goal. He uh, he really helped me out with my Fantrax fantasy matchup this week against our good friend Joe Bloom. I am 
a destroying that league. I'm not currently in first place, but I have like so many more overall points than anyone else. Um, so that's going well. Matt Doherty has been really good for me. So I will say that. Even right, though I yeah. just tried to take his award away. <laughs> <laughs> He's player of the month on my fantasy team. How about that? Yeah. Actually, that's not even true. I have Hazard also. He's <laughs> <laughs> so. not even got that award. Yeah. <laughs> Undeserved awards everywhere. Um, they did generate 1.1, so you can kind of take some solace in that, I guess, Chuck. But at a I certain guess. point, not really. No. Uh, Lester Everton, anybody watch that one? I don't care about that. Gilfie with a nice, nice wonder goal. Gilfie's done a couple of good goals. Fifty. He's had 50 Premier League goals now, and 19 of them have been from outside of the box. Um, nice. Which I think wow. is pretty impressive. Like 40% of your goals are from outside of the box. You can tell Chuck's been home for a few days because he's got all the good stats today. He's like, <laughs> he's I did a bunch of research up. for this. <laughs> Not got a lot going on, guys. <laughs> uh, he's literally completed oh. Netflix. Completed it, mate. With our luck, uh, he's going to have to leave halfway through and be like, oh, sh- oh shit, it's happening. Oh, I got to go. And we, I, me even, and you have to no, round out. No, we've even spoken about that. I was like, oh, so what happens like, if your water breaks? She's like, well, we just call the hospital, but then we just have to wait. So it's not even like, like her her waters could break right now, and I'm still just going to sit here and record the rest of the episode. That's commitment. I love commitment it. to you guys. Right Amazing. There. Hope you appreciate that. In audio land. Uh, Spurs Cardiff. Spurs against 10-man Cardiff can only score one goal. Spurs fucking suck, man. Uh, in fairness to them, they did generate 2.4. So that's, that's no. a, quite a bit. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> 10, 10, 10... Man, Cardiff. Yeah. Ten. Cardiff. Worst team, like, in the league, no matter how much we root for them and and like them. They are appalling. They were down to ten men for 32 minutes in that game. And the only goal was scored was, like, some fluky, like, scramble in front of the goal mouth, which was scored by Eric Dyer. Like, that is not good. Yeah. No, not really. Although I do have to say... That if we're looking at the stats and not the results and what actually happened, but what might reasonably be expected to happen given many, many regressions over the course of time, blah, 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 blah. Harry Kane actually had his best match this year. And didn't score a goal. Great. He didn't score, no, which is great. (laughs) Against Cardiff. Against Cardiff. Uh, But he did take six shots, which is almost his old average. Remember, we were saying he had only been down to three. Okay. Um, two of them were on target. He had a, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but he had a good amount of high intensity runs, a bunch of shots from outside the box, which was the thing that had completely dropped away from last se- from the last previous seasons to after post injury. Um, so if he can do that a few more times, like I've, I've been on a crusade to talk shit about Harry Kane for a few weeks, much to the chagrin of some Tottenham fans. <laughs> um, so when credit is due, I'm going to throw that out there and say he actually did look a bit more like Harry Kane of old. Um, if not for a day. But as a whole, Tottenham 1-0 against a 10-man Cardiff, not good, right? No, that's dog shit. And that, and that red card was horrendous. Jesus. Like, it's one, like, it's not even a late challenge. Like, it, it's a lot to get a red card for an early challenge on someone. <laughs> he thinks about it, changes direction, and goes, oh, I'm going to do it anyway. It was... Yeah, he easily, all, we, all he had to do, because he was in line with the guy, could have just shoulder barged him over. The ball was at least about four yards ahead of them. Yeah, would you say? And they run into it, and he, like, checks once and goes, nah, you know what, I'm just going to swipe. And, like, swipes across at knee height. <laughs> like, it was bizarre. What the, what the fuck? 
And then Harry Kane runs over and bumps him and like he gets booked. Gets and... booked for it, yeah. It's just baffling. Everyone should have sat there like, what the fuck? And Warnock turns around in the, in the post-match yeah. and says it wasn't a red card. Well, he, said, like, he said oh that the God. Spurs players got him sent off. So, yeah. No. no. Him assaulting him about five <laughs> yards away from the ball got him sent off. But what's even better is he said, well, he, did, he didn't call them grievous arms or he didn't kill him, so it can't be a red card. Like, that's not what it is, Neil. Yeah. It's not just that this weekend, because there were three red cards, we lost three players from the league. It's not the fucking Hunger Games. <laughs> that was the most like proper football comment I've oh. seen in a while. It's like, oh, he didn't break his leg. It's not a red, like, fucking hell, man. Yeah, it's like Warnock definitely wants the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus oh, yeah. Christ. Um, oh, I was playing, speaking of wanting the good old days, I was watch, I was playing, um, we talked about the journey on FIFA last week or two weeks ago. I forget when we brought it up. You get to play as Alex Hunter's grandfather in one of the matches. It's like a flashback to a memory um, when he scored his, like, 100th goal. And... The jerseys didn't have names on it, but also the commentator said, oh, they're bringing in yellow and red cards in this next World Cup. Can you believe <laughs> yeah. it? How's that going to change the game? But not even that. They got, they got John Motson. They made the camera all like black and white and yeah. grainy. Oh, the pitch was all like muddy and stuff. It the was ball was super heavy and impossible to control or pass. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed but that I slid immensely. into every tackle studs up because there was no yellow or red cards. I was like <laughs> fucking breaking somebody's leg out here. Let's go. <laughs> Neil Warnock's on the side defending you. Yeah, exactly. Oh. I can't believe that they didn't have, uh, what was it, the 1980 World Cup that they said? No, 70. Wasn't it Mexico? I want to yeah, say Mexico. Mexico was the first World Cup. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mexico, cards. I think it was Mexico 70, not Mexico 86, um, which is crazy. Like, what, did they just, you could do whatever you wanted before that, I guess? Like, there was no red cards? Did they throw people out, but just not have, like, a formal way of doing it? I don't actually yeah, know. A, a gentleman's agreement. Yeah. It does make a lot more sense now that England's one World Cup was in 1966. Oh, eat shit and die. Before yellow and red cards. As soon as that game changed, and they started punishing leg-breaking tackles, oh, England was like, nah, we can't, can't do it anymore. We lost interest. Yeah, it's just not as fun. Like, well, what's the point if we can't break a German's legs? <laughs> there it is. And on that note, let's move to the next fixture. <laughs> Watford 0, Bournemouth 4. Uh, Bournemouth wildly overperforming. No one ever generates 4 in XG, so anytime you score that many goals, it's just a good finishing day. Yeah. Uh, except for, like, occasionally Barca and Real Madrid. But for the most part, like, you know, even teams that score 5-6-0, they had a bit of help on the way. But they did generate 2 Plus a penalty, so three, if you count the penalty. Um, so that's a super good day against Watford. Watford had looked good. What's going on with that? Yeah, and and well, most of that must have come. You know, we don't have the full breakdown of it, but most of that must have come in the first half because Watford went down to ten men in the thirty-second minute or so, and Bournemouth were three 0 up at half time. But in terms of possession, they were basically fifty-fifty. Shots was about the same. It was fourteen to ten. Um, and Watford still looked good for their money um, watching the highlights. Um, but Bournemouth just got in early again, really, and um, rode their luck a bit. But, I mean, we are definitely in the Watford cycle. Like, I remember this every every year. Watford start off really, really good. Like, they appoint a brand-new manager. They look really good for the first quarter of the season or so or up until Christmas. Then it starts to dwindle. Then they sack a the manager, and then they just appoint a new one. So... 
We're kind of 50% of the way through there, guys. Yep. I enjoyed Cabaselli looking surprised about his red card as well. Fucking hell. <laughs> Such a... He pulls his shirt twice and then brings him down. And he's like, what? What'd I do? What happened? Like, yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> it's not like I killed the guy or something. Yeah, break, exactly. Get me one. Break any legs? He's get up and walking. Walk <laughs> ridiculous. All right. Next match, what people are calling match of the season so far. Certainly match of the weekend. Jose Mourinho three. Oh, sorry. Manchester United three. <laughs> Newcastle two. Did you guys catch that one? Did you happen to watch it? I mean, the fact that it wasn't even Fellaini that scored a goal says to me that it was not Mourinho's game plan that won it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's all the players that he fucking hates. Sanchez and Mata scoring. Pogba and Pogba getting an assist. He slagged off Martial enough as well over the years. Yeah. Was it it a fluke? Was it good? Is it turned their season around? Is it just more noise in a... uh, What is it? A storm in a teacup? If you watch, if you watch the highlights, you know Newcastle being two 0 up after ten minutes, and hooking off Eric Bailly in the twentieth to then put Scott McTominay in at fucking centre back again. That looked a bit panic stations, didn't it? Just shows that's panic stations. And then if you take into account the fact that were it not for the referee not looking, Newcastle yeah. could arguably have had a penalty when they were already two 0 up. Yeah. Um, Shelby crosses the ball in, and Ashley Young sticks his arm out, and then the ball goes out. Should at least be a corner then if the referee's only seen that as a deflection, but then he gives the goal kick. Yeah, that was um, insane. Yeah, Newcastle can feel a bit hard done by there, I think. But they shouldn't be as shit as Palace were last year and give up a 2-0 halftime lead <laughs> and lose 3-2 against Man United. <laughs> well, the the most worrying thing, like, sure, they came back from 2-0 and they won. But, like, fuck, man, you conceded 1.8 XG to Newcastle at Old Trafford. Yeah. Like, if that's not super, super alarming, fuck the result and the fact that they came back. Like, that's really fucking bad. It's not like Newcastle got yeah. two fluky goals. They generated 1.8. Mm. Like, yeah. or 1.9. No, 1.8. So, like, it's the exact hang. same as when Arsenal fans were getting all high because they they beat Cardiff, but they, they still conceded two goals to Cardiff. Right. So, yeah. I think it very much papers over the cracks. Jose will be happy with it because. He's the pragmatist that just wants the three points. That's all that matters. But that that's not good. No, and I feel like he got tricked into having to open up. Like, if it wasn't for them being 2-0 down, it would have been the same terrible tactical setup and, like, boring bullshit play that they've been having. With, like, when your midfield is Pogba, Matic, and McTominay, like, Pogba needs people around him who are also good at passing the ball. The other two guys are not good at that. They're good at other things, fine. I'm not saying they're useless players. But he has, like, no one to play with in the middle there. No one to pass it to. And so, like, they had to change it because they were down 2-0 after 10 minutes. And it was only after that where, like, Marino's hand was forced into changing how he plays that they actually looked any better. Um, That can't be a good sign, right? Like, they have to figure out how to actually play from minute zero in a useful kind of way that creates chances and doesn't concede they just have to go back to playing how they did at the start of last year and go four nil up against teams and then it doesn't fucking matter how you play because then you can excuse it the other way like if you go four nil up and then at the end you concede one or maybe even two towards the end because you've changed the team and rotated no one bemoans that but if you go two nil down and have to come back from that like it doesn't it doesn't sustain like not every week we'll have a a three two amazing comeback 
Man, you felt so wasteful in front of goal as well. I mean, I, I said on Twitter to you, Oscar, about what, you know, is the XG on this something like 8-6? Because both, both teams look ridiculously wasteful. But uh, And you told me it was it was much lower, which is fair enough. But, I mean, it just... Matic had a brilliant chance. He couldn't even find the target. There's a couple of others. They just, they just both both teams though. Newcastle Newcastle um had a couple of chances they didn't put away as well. They could they yeah. could have been four up, no problem. So mm-hmm, I mean yeah. it's it's pretty insane, especially with that penalty too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's pretty insane. Yeah, and there was a few instances this weekend of where you wish that they had VAR of like notable things. Yeah. We'll come to that during the Chelsea Every match. There was a few weekend. examples of that. <laughs> Every weekend. Every weekend. I know Every it's like weekend. come on, man, get your shit together. It makes me mad. I just want VAR. Bring me all the VAR. So, will Mourinho still be there the next time we record? That is the question. I think he will now. Yeah. If they were going to fire him, they would have fired him right after the match. Like, it's what? It's a few days later now. And he hasn't been fired yet then. I I think they're not going to fire him yet. He seems to be getting a lot of support from the fans. The fans seem to be turning on the board rather than him. Same thing happened when he, uh, that last season at Chelsea, the second time around. Yeah. Down to the last day, we the fans were like singing his name and um, serenading him match after match after match. And then he got, he left anyway. Like he got fired anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Unless an absolute superstar becomes available. And who, Zidane? I mean, I, you know, I just can't see it happening, to be honest. No. And I think the fans have a good point. Like, he is not doing a good job of managing the players that he has. And he did get to sign more players than I think he's willing to admit or whatever. Yeah. But they, the problems at Manchester United run a lot deeper than Jose Mourinho. Like, ever since Moyes came in to replace Ferguson and every little thing since then, like, they don't have a big picture plan of what they want to do as a club. They know that, like, they want to win a trophy in the short term, but they have no kind of, like, game plan for that. Whereas Man City, you watch that documentary and you can tell that the people behind the scenes have a big, clear idea of what they want to do and how they're going to do it. And then they bring in Pep and they get in in sync with Pep. But if it was another manager, they'd still be doing it. Like, I just feel like United have much bigger problems than Jose Mourinho. I don't know. I don't really buy into that. I don't buy into the, all the fans turning on the board rather than Mourinho. Like, I'm not saying that Ed Woodward is completely faultless or whatever, but of someone that's of Mourinho's supposed talent, like, if you can't get something better than this, if you can't get something better than scraping a 3-2 win against Newcastle, who we've said are one of the worst teams in the league this year, and if you can't get yourself after eight games higher than eighth place with 13 points, then you you can't blame Woodward for that. You can't blame... You can't expect a guy to shell out 300 million every single window just to try and make your team relevant when teams have shown that that doesn't have to be the case. So yeah, as, I, as, much, I as, they can, as much as you can say that there are deeper problems and X, Y, Z, ultimately what it comes down to is how that manager controls those 11 guys on the pitch and the, the 16 or 17 man day match day squad that he yeah. has 18 man, sorry. And the overall 25 person squad with training like yeah. that can override all of that. And with the amount of talent that's there, like you've got R- Romelu Lukaku, Alexis Sanchez, Paul Pogba, like Nemanja Matic is no mug. To- Anthony Martial was the highest, the highest transfer fee paid for a teenager um, at the time until Mbappe's won. 
Like, it's not a team of mugs. You've got one of the best goalkeepers in the world, and you're fucking eighth. Why? Because your way of doing things is to make everything a circus and kick your toys out of the pram because, oh, your daddy won't spend the money and buy you the new flashy toy rather than playing with what you've got and getting the most out of it. Yeah, I so, take, I'll take your point totally. You're, you're absolutely right that, I mean, with the players he's got, he has to be doing better. But the narrative at the minute, media-wise and everything you saw, we must have seen Gary Neville's rant um, about the club. You know, he was ranting about the club, not Jose. The fans seem to be, if not at the players, at the board, not at Jose yet. So the narrative just feels like it's behind him at the minute. If they sacked him now, they'd get way more backlash than they when they sacked Moyes, which even that got some backlash. So it just sort of... it. It feels like he's safe there for a bit, yeah. And of course, if he loses, you know, the next couple and it carries on, if he, you know, if he loses like another three games before Christmas, things are different. But at the minute, it just feels like he's got control of the narrative. Of course, he always controls the narrative. Mm. We all we all know that. Yeah, that's why he 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 leads these, you know, he goes on these tirades where he's very elusive or, or trying to be very clever. Or just sprays water at a camera before a match. <laughs> what um, cheeky fucking c- Honestly, there's just no need for that at all. Oh dear. Yeah. He does my nothing with that with stuff like that. Just oh, I'm being cheeky. Yeah, there you go. I suppose if it rains, then they get wet, don't they? But it just annoys me. It's like when they kick a mic. I'm like, do you know how much that costs, you fucking twat. <laughs> Furious. Uh, all right. Well, that wraps it up for Man United. I think after that nice long. Uh, I think Ian needs a break this week. (laughs) (laughs) It's not me that needs a break for once. I'm loving it. Unleash the demon. Unleash the fury, Ian. Unleash the fury. (laughs) Uh, Well, we're going to take a break (laughs) so that Ian can collect himself and have another beer. And after the jump, we'll come back. We'll talk about the Sunday matches. We'll take some listener questions and all the usual second half stuff. So we'll see you guys in a bit. Welcome back to Miles Offside Podcast, where we've been going through warm baby wipes, <laughs> the Hunger Games, um, a little bit about fixtures and football, spraying water at cameras. So, of course, that naturally places us at uh, the Sunday Premier League fixtures somehow. So, starting off with those, we have a bit of what I would call a dicking. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Fulham one, Arsenal five. That was an absolute dicking. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I couldn't believe it when it was at one all. I was watching in the pub and I saw like one all, and then and then we'd left because we were going somewhere, and then checked the updates on my phone. I was like, oh, five one, good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, those Arsenal strikers, man. I would not say no to having them on Chelsea when Alvaro Morata's are. Backup, I guess, at this point, and Giroud <laughs> is our main guy. Like Giroud looks real good in the system, but I would take Lacazette or Aubameyang in a heartbeat. They look very good. Yeah, they are really firing, and it, I mean, it's mental in that match that Aubameyang came on as a substitute, didn't he? And he got yeah. two goals and an assist in there. Yeah, not a bad day at the office for him. And Lacazette, uh, on top of having a really fantastic haircut, <laughs> I'm so jealous of his fade. <laughs> um, just side note. Uh, I love his fade. 
Um, and his barber has a really funny Instagram account where he just tweets every time that Legazette scores with a header. He's like, oh, it must have been the haircut. And he posts a picture of him the last time he was at the barbershop. Legazette looks real good. And I, I have not given him – Aubameyang I've always liked, but I, like I said, I haven't given enough credit. And he's he's a very good striker. Um, and I think Arsenal strikers are keeping them running this year where and kind of papering over the cracks of other things. But that's a hell of a thing to say when Arsenal used to be the team with no end product. It used to be, let's touch the ball 25 times and never have a shot. I mean, if that's if that's something that's changed now, are they have they got to be looked at as contenders? Well, you have to wonder if finally Emery's getting the system into them a bit more, which which seems to be. And obviously they're they're lording lording it up a bit about this, you know, nine wins on the bounce kind of stuff. Which, you know, that's that's nothing to be sniffed at, especially when my team can't even score a goal. But <laughs> when it's a team like Arsenal and they're saying nine wins on the bounce, which are West Ham, Cardiff, Newcastle, Vorskla Poltava, who are currently fourth in the Ukrainian league, guys. Illustrious. Um Everton Brentford, who are seventh in the championship, Watford, FK Karabag, who aren't even top of the Azerbaijani league, <laughs> and and Fulham. Like, is it really that good of a sign? Like, no real big teams in there. Everton haven't been playing that well. Watford are now going to do like their kind of slump. It's tricky though because they played. They did they play um, Man City and Chelsea right at the start of the season. They did, yeah. yeah first, that was yeah. Start first off. So that games. was that was Emery's first two games. It's it's tricky to judge, is all I'm saying. Because and they did look good against Chelsea. Like Chelsea won that match, um, but for a solid 45 minutes, Arsenal were very dangerous looking. Um, that was before Kovacic had even debuted and Hazard had played like a total of 15 minutes. So it wasn't quite full strength Chelsea, but still at Stamford Bridge. But if last month the crusade in all the stats blogs and stats podcast and all the like deep stat stuff that I am into was Harry Kane's not as good as everyone thinks. This month has very much turned into Arsenal is not as good as everyone thinks. Stats Bomb had a really good article. Eleven Tegan Eleven had a whole tweet series of tweets about Arsenal and how they're not as good as everyone's saying. Yeah, I don't know. Five one is a lot. Yeah, so so you saying that about the stats for the last game, I mean so Fulham Fulham got a goal off one point four XG which is like, fair enough, that's kind of about there. But Arsenal got five goals off 1.6. Yeah. So, and that's that's on like the, the Kaylee model, uh, the Kaylee graphics model, um, which you should follow on Twitter if you guys are interested in it because he, he posts up uh, XG and uh, shot maps for every single game, basically, each week. Um, but that is wildly overperforming. I mean, if you if you look at that in the league... Um, so Arsenal are fourth at the minute with 18 points, but their expected points is 10.67. So they're, they're overperforming by seven points already against the shit teams they've been playing, which would put them at 11th. Um, it's expected goals puts them at 10th because XG-wise, they were meant to have 10 and they've scored 19. Bloody hell. That's insane. Yeah. This is really what we were saying about that elite striking talent papering over the cracks with Lacazette and Aubameyang really firing. So you just wonder, if they don't, will Arsenal just kind of plummet back to where they were? Yeah, I mean, Statsbaum had a uh, 
a really fantastic graph. Oh, God, I'm such a nerd. It's such a good graph, though. Um, in their article about Arsenal uh, running a regression of expected goal difference versus actual goal difference for every team in the big leagues for the last five years, um, just to see who are big outliers. And obviously, this is only eight games into this season, so if someone's heavily overperforming, there's more room for variance there to create that sort of fluky result, whereas by the end of a season, they'll fall back to approximately where they should be, you know, with a little bit of room up or, up or down. Um, and if you look at the dots that are for entire seasons, no one is that far above the line. It's it's a very, very strong correlation. Um, but that's because XG is a really good model, especially as a predictive model in terms of the picture, big picture for a whole season. But if you see Arsenal's first eight, um, and I'll tweet this graph out, it is so far above where anyone ever has overperformed ex- expected goal difference. Like, they are very hot right now. And no one has ever stayed that hot for an entire season. So that heavily implies that they're going to come crashing back down to earth. Um, although we did have a comment. I had a comment from Adam P. Shout out to Adam P. At 35who, all in letters, uh, on Twitter. Who's um, I believe he will feature in our Predictor League section later today. Maybe uh, he will, maybe he won't. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. But Stay tuned. Building he suspense. <laughs> tagged me in a tweet where... Um, Fulham versus Arsenal. This was a tweet by a guy named Tom at Warville, W-R-V-I-L-L-E. Fulham versus Arsenal is a great example of using the case for post-shot XG models. Uh, The pre-shot XG, which is the one that everyone sees, that's what Kaylee Graphics has, um, had it at 1.1 XG for Arsenal, 1.5 for Fulham. Um, But there are other XG types, and I'm really glad that Adam asked about this because I've been kind of wanting to bring it up just to do a kind of quick primer um, on the other types, post-shot XG had them at 3.2 versus Fulham 0.6. So that's obviously still not 5, but that's much closer um, and paints them in a much better light. Um, but just very quickly, the XG that we all know and love, the one that gets promoted um, often, you'll see it sometimes on match reports, even on TV, Kaylee Graphics is the one that has this, uh, is what we call just standard shot XG. So it just looks at where the shot was taken takes into account a bunch of other factors like how fast the buildup was, how many passes came before it, the positioning of the defense, if it was on a cross or on the ground, all a bunch of things like that. And then it ran a billion regressions, came up with a number of a model, which is an actual statistic, and that's what we see. There are other XG models that are less refined let's say so like the McKaylee one over the course of a season will it pretty much exactly predict the expected goals for the whole like last year i think it was off by one goal in the entire league the 309 to 308 or something um actually i don't know if that's the number but i know it was off by one whereas these other ones are not nearly as refined because there's not many people using them yet um but something like post shot xg takes into account data where it's available and this is why it's not used by a lot of people because the data is not particularly available for that many leagues historically um where the shot was going in terms of the goal mouth so like if a shot's taken low and slow directly at a keeper that should hypothetically speaking lower the xg of that shot even if it's from a dangerous situation whereas a shot that's hit hard and into the corner is more likely to score that's intuitive that makes sense kaylee's model does not take that into account because there's just not good data on it Some other more ambitious people are trying to do that, and so that's where post-shot XG comes in, um, which did have Arsenal at much, much higher than the 1.4 or 1.1, whatever it was, 
for the standard XG. Right, because it's assessing what actually happened rather than what. Yeah, okay. I'm trying to. Talk, yeah, it just throws in a, bit, a parameter yeah. for um, shot placement, basically. Yeah. Like, are you shooting into yeah. the corner? or Are you shooting to the middle? I mean, it kind of it kind of plays into. It's kind of obvious when when you see the old school way of like Arsenal having 1.6 but scoring five, and we were saying about elite striking talent. Right, exactly. So obviously, yeah. having a post shot of 3.4, I think you said, um, would show that those guys are good enough because they're placing the ball in places that the keeper can't get them. So exactly it can be right. very indicative of either amazing strikers or a dog shit keeper. And Bettinelli in that game was actually still quite good. Like he made quite a few saves. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and then the other sort of alternate XG model that people don't talk about, even less so, um, is what's called non-shot XG, uh, which is the best hypothetical version of an XG model, but the least realistically possible one, at least given the data that we have now, um, which basically takes into account everything that has happened um, historically. So like when a midfielder passes to a forward and it's in this exact location of the field, that leads to a goal 40% of the time. And so, like, it takes into account way too many things that aren't actually possible to take into account. But if we had a perfect version of data, that's the XG model that everyone would want to use is non-shot XG. Um, and non-shot XG actually really accurately described the Chelsea-Liverpool match last weekend. I didn't bring it up because it it's a whole thing. Um, but that, we said, was like, oh, the XG looked like it should have been more. But the non-shot XG had it at a much higher because there was a lot of dangerous situations where players didn't manage to get a shot off. Um, and so that's where non-shot XG really comes in. Because if you don't get a shot off, that's not going to get taken into account by XG. But there are definitely situations where you're in like 3v1 and someone just like goes to take a shot but falls over, misses the ball. And so that doesn't get put into XG, but like that's such a dangerous situation that they should have scored. And so that's something that non-shot XG takes into account. Um, but that's a significantly imperfect model. But it's interesting because if you look at 11, tag and 11, who does between the posts, their XG had Arsenal at 2.3. And no one knows what their model is because it's not open source. Okay. Um, but that's not 3.2 and it's not 1.4. So it, something is going on with their model that's very interesting to kind of look at um, because they're super smart guys. And I'm curious how they got the 2.3. I'd love to know that because there's a lot of difference in the numbers that you can actually see. Mostly everyone just sticks to Kaylee or Statsbomb. Yeah, anyway, just someone had asked about the different XG types. I tried to keep there that short. There you go, stats nerds. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy that. I tell you what, though, I'd quite like like what you were saying about the non-shot one with three on one. I'd like someone to do an inverse of that and just call it the shit factor. So how <laughs> shit is your team that it gets into those situations and don't score? Call it the shit factor, the Huddersfield factor, I don't know. The Crystal Palace at home factor. Oh, yeah, we don't get into dangerous situations, though. Here. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, they don't, Why? don't yeah. even create those situations. Okay. You have yeah. to be in the race to lose, mate. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, just think about all the times that someone, like, flashes a low, fast cross and, like, two guys go to kick it but just happen to yeah, miss. No one gets on the end of it. Yeah, okay. No one gets on the end of it. That doesn't count for XG, shot or shot or post-shot, like, either one. And if you if you, if you needed any more sort of information that showed you Man City are the best team in the league. <laughs> they, they've scored 21 goals. They've been expected to score 23. They've conceded three. They were supposed to concede four. 
and and they've got 20 points and they're expected just shy of 21. Perfect uh, transition. Let's talk about Liverpool City. We'll come. We'll, we'll swing back around, I guess, for Chelsea if we want to. Um, but Liverpool City, the big match of the weekend, the one that everyone was excited for, and it was a boring shit zero zero. I wouldn't say boring shit zero zero, but it's it's just one of those games that could only ever live up to the hype if it was like four three. I think I think it it showed a lot that it was two teams that genuinely kind of afraid of each other almost. Yeah, and I did think um to me it was more interesting. Like we've talked a lot about the attack of both of these teams. Um and to me it was interesting that both of them kind of figured out how to negate those attacks and like really really limited to no particularly good goal scoring chances. Obviously Man City had the penalty. <laughs> um but aside from that they didn't really do that much. At the 87th minute, the XG was 0.1 for Liverpool to 0.3 for City. Jeez. Um, and then obviously it shot up a lot for City at the end there. To, yeah, they finished yeah. with like 1.0. Depending on which model you look at, I'm looking at between the posts or 11, taking 11. Um, but they all, like, it, from a tactical perspective, more than a stats or an actual watching perspective, uh, it was fascinating to me because they both negated each other's dangerous, dangerous attacks really well. And I think it kind of sets up the template for what other teams who want to take points away from them are going to have to do. Uh, I almost wish this match had happened before Chelsea played Liverpool instead of after. Um, because if they could just kind of emulate a lot of what City did there, it would have helped a lot. To me, watching it, it really felt like Man City like totally trust in Pep, like what he told them to do, they went through with it entirely. Their midfield shut shut Liverpool down quickly pretty much every time. Like Bernardo Silva was really good at just getting getting involved quickly, shutting anything down, stopping Liverpool playing. I mean Liverpool did the same thing to a certain degree, but it, yeah. I just I just thought that Man City really seemed to entirely trust what Pep had, the job that Pep had given them to go out and do. And they they really negated Liverpool's attack very well. Absolutely. And a player who doesn't get as much credit as he deserves for his defensive abilities because his attacking abilities are just so spectacular is David Silva. Yeah. Um, His specific tactical setup more than attacking on that day was to, it looked like, negate Jordan Henderson and stop Jordan Henderson from progressing the ball. So he was just glued to him. Yeah. And he really, really stopped him a lot and took him out, even not even with like necessarily tackles. Um, and stuff you can measure with stats, but just being there and putting pressure on constantly and not letting Henderson have a moment of rest, um, really stopped all of Liverpool's ball progression, which was fan- fascinating and like really, really smart. Gotta give Pep credit for that because he, re- he recognized that like, yeah, everything runs through Henderson. So if I can just stick one guy on him, it'll yeah. completely just negate them. Yeah. And Klopp, Klopp is like a big managerial kryptonite for him. Like he doesn't, he doesn't end up well against Klopp. Um, they're normally getting the better of him, especially last year. You know, both times in the Champions League, once in the league. Um, but I can't, I can't help but thinking that's still a better result for City than Liverpool. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Yeah, it's at Liverpool. Um, and when you can keep that dangerous Liverpool attack to zero point one xG, like that is fantastic. And they basically did it through just keeping guys on them, <laughs> like. Again, same same like man kind of marking uh, worked for City to stop Liverpool as much as it did for Liverpool to stop City, um, and it it was honestly it was genuinely interesting to watch. 
And comparing that to like Chelsea Liverpool last weekend, which was so wide open and so exciting, mm. it just goes to show how close it's going to be between those three teams this year. Because equally, that was that was exciting, but still a low-scoring game. Yeah, one-one, which is like not a lot. And we talked at the beginning of the season about how Liverpool didn't have to beat Man City to win the title. They would just have to get the results they need against the weaker teams and then negate City. Um, when you can keep City to a 0-0 draw, like that's got to look good for Liverpool. No, I think I think Liverpool still, you know, they, they've shown three times last year that they can get at City and how to beat them and, and how to play. And I was expecting that a bit more from Klopp, which is why I, I am still quite surprised that it was a 0-0 and, and showed that it was definitely a case of neither manager wanted to lose than one manager wanted to win. Yeah, yeah, it was true. a very yeah. conservative setup for both teams comparatively. Yeah, I, think, I think if that's the way Liverpool play against City, like they need to be taking more points off of City, like they they have to go because if they get if they get two wins against City or even one win, one win and a draw, um, especially you know starting as they were playing at home, it would be would have been great to get the win. Like that puts that's four points right there, which goes you know there's a there's a massive point swing needed based on their positions last year, but. He, yeah, you, I I think Man City is the better it's the better result for City because they're still just going to steamroller so many teams. Yeah, yeah, I think that's not I think that's not wrong. Um, my concern as a Chelsea fan watching that was how naive Chelsea are, um, seeing how they like how they set up against Liverpool versus how City did, and City are the best attacking team probably or the set, tied with Liverpool, one of the best attacking teams in the world, let's say. And if they recognize Liverpool's threat and set up much more conservatively, whereas Chelsea are like, yeah, all right, we'll just, you know, throw haymaker after haymaker, punch for punch with Liverpool. I don't know. That's mildly alarming to me from a, like, tactics tactics perspective. Again, seeing, like, if City can go and be conservative there, then Chelsea should also probably be conservative against Liverpool, but they weren't. So that that's mildly concerning, but also at the same time, it was nice to see Chelsea do really well last weekend. And, and Chelsea have been doing really well of late. You know, we, could, we can go on to that. Like, sweeping aside Southampton 3-0, um, this is just another great result to add in, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I was very happy with that. Um, I had a weird feeling going into it, and it didn't start off on, like, the most positive note. In the first half, I think Southampton had by far the best chance of either of the teams, even though Chelsea were kind of dominating possession and consistently getting into like dangerous situations, but not quite completely open goal yeah, situations. Southampton wasted some big chances early. Yeah, 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 definitely, um, which was concerning. But at the end of the day, when Eden Hazard has the most touches of anyone in the match, you know, that's going to go well for Chelsea. Um, he's so good. Goal and assist again, and he just was dancing around players. Um, and he it should have been... He probably should have had, like, three people sent off. Like, that match was very poorly officiated on both sides. Um, there was a few tackles that were, like, clear yellow, clear second yellow. One that, to me, seemed like a straight red. The penalty, the non-penalty, that, again, would have called for VAR. And I wasn't thrilled with the refereeing. And I'm not generally one to bitch and moan about refereeing, but I felt like there was some dangerous things happening on the pitch there, which were concerning. We talked about that with Zaha, too, like... They just kind of, people just hack down Hazard, hack down Zaha, and they don't get quite the protection that you would want them to. Um, there was definitely a bit of that. But he still, like, pushed through that and was, you know, the winner. He, like, he did everything for Chelsea. 
Um, although shout out to Ross Barkley who got his first start in a while and got a goal in the system looked pretty good. Yeah, it's still Ross Barkley though, isn't it? <laughs> but Barkley, Barkley can come in and do a job. How about that? I'll say that. Yeah, uh, you need you need squad depth players like that who can do. You know, yeah. So yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, it's about time. Him, Ruben, Drinkwater are all decent guys. Fabregas as a backup to Jorginho yeah. is like an amazing. No, oh, I forgot about Fabregas. Yeah, you What's forget, happening with Fabregas? You forget about Where these players, don't you? He played in the Europa, Europa and in the League Cup. He's just distinctly back up to Jorginho. I think he's uh, sorry sees them doing the same things, and he prefers Jorginho for obvious reasons. Um, so Fabregas is just going to kind of ride the bench for a while. But the same thing happened with Conte. Conte came in, and Fabregas wasn't getting the minutes that he had gotten previously, and then he kind of kept his head down, worked hard in practice, and started coming back into the squad. So... We'll see what happens there. Yeah, I mean, we end the weekend with the quote-unquote three-way title race being very much tied at 20 points each. Uh, City in first on goal difference, and then Chelsea, then Liverpool. Um, And it's going to be just fascinating to see how that goes. Chelsea have Man United next weekend. Um, So that's always fun when Jose comes back to play against Chelsea. Nice easy 4-0 for Chelsea there. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, man. I continue to be cautiously optimistic with Chelsea because they uh, they look good, but I don't want to get my hopes up because City and Liverpool are just so fucking good that we'll see what happens. But they're certainly doing a lot better than I am if we look at our <laughs> predictor league. Oh, well, they are closer. Now that, now that Chelsea are up in second, they are one closer to where you predicted them to be. So, because you had them still at first, but... If you couldn't tell by Oscar's somber tone, he is still last in the Predictor League. Oh, that is a Way shame. Way down there on 84 points. It's <laughs> so Bloom's bad. only six points clear of you now. <laughs> and Ian's, Ian's boy is eight points higher. So, you know, within, within reaching distance. Uh, an eight-year-old who largely picked randomly. <laughs> Oh dear! Uh, Fuck you guys! You'll get you're you're waiting for the end of the season, mate. Don't worry, you'll come good. Yeah, I'm just biding my time. But there has been a a little bit of movement uh, at the top, actually. Ian, Ian, you're up to fourth. Is it? Um, With with many people still there (laughs) with um, Emily, Dave, Matteo, Carmen, and Jordan. Oh, it's fully on. Um, yeah, and I'm just behind that. So that's on 54. I'm on 60th in joint 12th. Um, so not too bad. Um, much better than Oscar, basically. That's <laughs> that's the target now, guys. Don't get beaten by Oscar. Um, <laughs> but then top three in third place, we have John OG. He's on 46 points. Um, so still a good eight points ahead of uh, fourth place there with Ian. Uh, in second place... The mighty have fallen. Mr. Adam P Ooh. at 3-5 Who got a mention earlier. Um, he is on 40 points. And top of the pile, top of the pops, popcorn, corn on the cob, I don't know, uh, is Pad Fall. At Pad Fall on 34 points. He'll be delighted with that. Very good. Coming from out of nowhere. So yeah, he was still he's still one of the the later additions to the league, which basically means he was cheating. Um, <laughs> At as... some point, we've got to let him off on this. I mean, what point do we? <laughs> do we go... though? 
<laughs> I mean, well, you I, both, I know, but... I know that I came up with the rules and everything like that, but that also means that I decide who's cheating. So, uh, it seems harsh, but <laughs> yeah, basically anyone who did it after the season starts, hollow victory, guys. Um, but yeah, he's having an absolute blinder. Um, he's got the well, obviously the top five are your traditional top five. Uh, he's a little bit out on Man United, but then Watford and Leicester are in the right places. Brighton, Palace, Cardiff. Um, he's still got the Wolves wrong, so, uh, which most of us do. So he sees Watford staying there or thereabouts? He sees Watford exactly at, exactly at ninth. Okay, yeah. okay. Burnley are catching up, although he has got Burnley eighth. Hmm. Which... Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we all made the same noise. The hum, the hum of derision. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, but there you go. So that's that's where we're sitting with our predictor league at the minute. And I will actually tweet that out uh, once the episode comes because I haven't done that for a while. <laughs> um, but something we haven't mentioned for a little while is the draft game that you wanted to set up, Oscar. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because Oscar must be winning this one, surely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I conveniently forgot all about it. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately in that one, Oscar is no longer last. I was never in last in that one. You were in last until this week. <laughs> oh, well, that's the same as never. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so at the start of the season, uh, between the three of us, we did a snake-style draft uh, to pick four teams each from the Premier League. Um, and basically, all the points that they accrue during the season gets added up into a total, and that's the person's score. Um, very much playing for pride, because I can't afford another prize, guys. Got a card on the way, guys. I can't, I can't be putting out like this. Um <laughs> Right, Ian, Ian with the first pick got Man City, Arsenal, Tottenham and Everton. So, you know, one before the season started. Oscar in second got Chelsea, Man United, West Ham and Fulham. And I took Liverpool, then for whatever reason, Palace, Leicester and Southampton, which very much dictates the table structure as I am rock bottom with 44. Oof. Oscar is one point ahead of me. Hey. With 45 points. And Ian is on 68. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. And that's why we don't check in on this very often. Because... That's why we don't check in. And that's why we're not doing a prize. <laughs> Chuck totally fucked it by taking Palace. So that the big six were not evenly distributed. <laughs> what are you talking about, mate? Still only eight get still 30 games left, mate. That's true. And whatever, you pick Man United. Over Arsenal and Tottenham, which I stand yeah. by. Arsenal and Tottenham, who are both, I believe, Fourth and fifth. above Man United in the league. <laughs> yeah, for now. For now. Okay. Look, I'm playing I mean, a long game here. Same with the Predictor League. Same with the Predictor League. The Predictor League, which you also have Arsenal and Tottenham above Man United. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, no, that's me. Yeah, that's, uh, that is me. I've United in fourth. Okay, you yeah, okay, fair enough. You do have Man United in fourth, then Arsenal fifth, Tottenham sixth. I think that'll be how it finishes. You then have Crystal Palace seventh, mate, so you're fucked. Yeah, that's not so good. Bad times. But yeah, there we go. So tune in if if you've been holding on to that for about six weeks, um <laughs> wait another six weeks and we'll do another check in on the uh draft league. Ian yeah, will be forty points up by then. Because it's no too interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Very much a foregone conclusion. Oh, God. When we were drafting and you said Palace, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> this is ruined now. <laughs> Could literally have just stopped the recording, gone over it, 
said to me that question because it'll fuck up the game. But that's what I do, guys. I'm a ruiner. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they call him. Yeah. Uh... But enough about me. Any questions, Ian? We've got a couple of questions, yeah. After Dave Matteo's question fest last week, I wasn't sure we'd get... Um... Quest fest. Quest fest, indeed. I wasn't sure we'd get another one, but um, he came through on Facebook and said, uh, which dinosaur is the best? When you say when you say you didn't think we'd get any more from Dave, is that because we intentionally held back questions so that we could just pad out further episodes with it? Yeah, this was one we held back and he just asked it again. <laughs> <laughs> he asked is it last true? week we didn't get to it yep <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> awesome he's just asked it again <laughs> so he's got a bank of questions clearly ready to go every week but yeah which dinosaur is the best i mean i i enjoyed the fact that one of you pricks said i've got a particular fondness for ian when you replied <laughs> that was fucking bullshit uh, i'll narrow it down for you it wasn't me yeah <laughs> Ian, awesome. like I said, I only know one way to show affection, and it's through sarcasm and insults. Yeah, keep it, keep it. <laughs> yeah. So, other than me, have you got any favorite dinosaurs? Uh, I like the one with the the helmet and the spiky sh- things on its tail. <laughs> with the helmet? Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you mean am I gonna be am I gonna be the dinosaur nerd here? Do you mean do you mean Pachycephalosaurus? Oh. Do you hello. genuinely know the name of like dinosaurs like that? Yeah, I like dinosaurs, guys. How do you spell that? I want to see if it's the right one. P-A-C-H-Y-C-E-P-H-A-L-O-Saurus. How quick do you spell yeah, that? That's uh, for lizard. No, not that one. <laughs> not that one. No, spiky tail. Spike, spiky I'm googling tail. this right now. Spiky tail dinosaur. Oh, um, spiky tail would be a... Ankylosaurus is the one with like a like a mallet. Stegosaurus has a bit of a spiky tail. No, it it's Ankylosaurus. Yeah, well, that's not got spikes on it. It's like a sledgehammer. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's spikes along it. Do you even know dinosaurs? <laughs> not as well as you do, apparently. <laughs> no, really. <laughs> I play anything, anything. Jurassic Park. Love, love that shit. I haven't seen the latest Jurassic Park though, because apparently there's like no dinosaurs in it. It was fine. It's like the Transformers of dinosaur movies. Ugh. Yeah, it was fine. It was it was mildly entertaining, I guess, for an afternoon. But I'm yeah, amazed yeah. at how many dinosaurs you know, like off the top of your head. Because I was watching you; you did not type that into Google. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm worried if you were going to put in like, "Oh, we edited it out there." No, no, no. I like when I was a kid, I really liked dinosaurs. I my mum only just threw away like a little cupboard that had like loads of dinosaur stickers on it. So I I guess we should see what's your expert opinion. What's the best dinosaur? Uh, easy, isn't it? Barney. <laughs> Barney. Because he loves you, and, and we love him. <laughs> he always tries to get me to clean up, though, and I don't appreciate that. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are, uh, two out of three of us are anti-Barney. <laughs> We've learned that To be today. honest, I'm not that keen on him. I just thought it'd be funny, because he's purple. I feel like we're overlooking Denver the last. Huh? I fear I fear that your dinosaur status is coming out here. Yeah, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> For fuck's sake, tweet in if you know Denver the Last Dinosaur. It's one of the best kids theme tunes ever. Yeah, and if you don't if you don't know how to tweet, uh, what you do is, is you unlock your phone uh, and then you go go open the app. Get your typewriter out. Probably the app store. Yeah. <laughs> send in send in a, a carrier pigeon. Right, okay, I'm tweeting the theme tune to Denver the Last Dinosaur. It's fucking brilliant. (laughs) 
Yeah, Denver the Last Dinosaur aired Oh god. in before either of us was born. Fuck off. Before I was it? born and before Chuck was born. Wow. So. When? 1988. It aired in 1988. Oh shit. All right. That wasn't before you were born, yeah. Oscar, was it? I was born in 88, you... but the months that oh, it aired okay. were right before I was born. Oh, speaking oh, if we're going to go to that like Land Before Time. Oh, Land that's a good time, one. L- love me some Littlefoot. Littlefoot was badass. They had Littlefoot, you had Sarah, Petrie, Ducky. Ducky, Ducky, yeah. That's the one I liked. Uh, Spike. Then they brought in like the baby T-Rex, which was Chomper in like the third one, and then I didn't watch after that. <laughs> Is Barney supposed to be a T-Rex? I don't hmm. really know. Like a not... You're the egg dinosaur expert. To me, he kind of looks like a not scary T-Rex. You're the dinosaur expert? Why the fuck don't you know who Barney is? Maybe because it's just a bloke in a purple <laughs> yeah, fucking exactly. suit. <laughs> I love the way there was a correlation there between you being a dinosaur expert and uh, what, not being able to identify what dinosaur Barney was. Yeah, because there was... If you watch the first episode, they did recreate him from fossils. <laughs> and um, yeah. that's when they discovered that dinosaurs were actually coated in purple felt. Richard Attenborough came back and made him. David Attenborough voiced it over as they did it. <laughs> Boom. Wikipedia. Barney is a purple and green Tyrannosaurus. Maybe he's the right color. You don't know, guys. We you don't know. There. We don't know. They did have... They found the one with the skin still on it. The fossilized... Do you guys know what I'm talking about? It's like the most fucking amazing picture. No. It was a couple of years ago now. They found a dinosaur that was like perfectly preserved and it still had the skin. And so like you can actually see it. I'll tweet out a picture of it from the account. It's so cool. Cool. That's dinosaurs covered. That's dinosaurs. Pew, pew. Feels like it should have been a catchphrase. That's dinosaurs. <laughs> well, I mean, it will be now. That covers dinosaurs for the week. Yeah, that's dinosaurs done. Um, Just this week, though. It only covers it for <laughs> yeah, this week. it's going to come back. I didn't realise Chuck had such a font of knowledge. Um, yeah, we've mentioned him already, Adam P, but uh, he got in touch and asked... Uh, if you could score any goal in history and attend any match, which would it be? Didier Drogba's header in stoppage time to tie the game in Munich, May 19, 2012, to send it to extra time <laughs> for the day that Chelsea won the Champions League. So, there you go. Really, really easy one. The day that Oscar started touching himself over Chelsea goals. <laughs> <laughs> and to have been at that, like, to have been at that match, oh my god. I would sell so many body parts. And then you could get a disabled seat as well. And then I can get <laughs> preferential Closer seating. to the pitch. Win-win, isn't it, really? Uh, I'm already yeah. saving. The U.S. got the World Cup um, for 20, 2026. Um, and I am just going to travel the country that summer and just go to, like, every match. So hopefully I'll see some amazing goals and some amazing matches that summer. Yeah. I like that you, you say travel the country because chances are there'll be walls at the north and the, and the south, so you won't be able to... I can't leave, but I can no. go state to state. <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, for me, when it comes to like attending matches, like Peterborough-wise, I've been at the big matches in recent history, bit, which have all been like playoff finals or playoff semi-finals, best I can hope for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, as for if I could score any goal in history... Like the last two Jeff Hurst goals in 1966, if we're talking about uh, getting uppity about England winning a World Cup for yellow and red cards introduced, I'm going to deliberately uh, bring that in and say I'd like to score either of them last two goals in his hat-trick. That'd be I amazing. mean, smash someone in the face and not get sent off for it. 
And yeah, if I could have attended any match, yeah, stick that one on there as well. So I'd I'd score either of them goals and attend that match. Yeah, I think I I think I'd probably want to attend that match as well, simply for the fact that it it sets up at least fifty two years of deluded hopes for England fans. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Be nice to be there at the start. Yeah, exactly. To be to be the uh, the cause of that. Um, I don't know, like like you, Ian. I've been there for like all the Palace ones. Yeah. Like the significant games maybe the fa cup final actually like even though we looked like the last one um against man united because i couldn't go for various reasons um when my dad got to go but it would have just been great to be there simply because of the fact that even though we lost we were up at one point and just that feeling even watching on my phone in a bar was incredible and so to just be there that would have been immense and maybe to score that goal as well and just be Jason Punchin for a day. See the Pardew dance in person. See the... Oh, God, I forgot that dance. Oh, God, I forgot that's involving Pardew. Oh, fuck, cancel. Abort, abort, abort. What about Christenball? Oh, Christenball. Yeah. Maybe the, um, maybe the Delaney one. Maybe the first Delaney goal because it was just an absolute thunder out of nowhere and he was like, oh, okay. Well, that's that's like a good good consolation or not consolation but yeah to make it 3-1 and then all of a sudden you realize that that's the catalyst for Dwight Gale absolutely shitting on Liverpool's title yeah ex Peterborough Dwight Gale yeah that was such a good pair of weeks between Chelsea and Palace would you not want to be Denver Bar you've you've won the Denver Bar goal no 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 nothing on top of Chelsea Champions League but in terms of like hilarious moments that Gerard slip is so fun it's so fun. And like, if I'm having a bad day, I just go on Twitter and I'll find the video of it and just <laughs> oh, have a mate. laugh. And, like, there's so many things to be prouder of as a Chelsea fan. Like, it's not like we're a small club where, like, that's the best thing that ever happened to us or whatever. But it's just so fucking hilarious. And I hate Liverpool. And I this hate Steven Gerrard. This does not fucking slip now. This does not fucking slip oh, now. Oh, God. Whoops. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. It's like the newscaster on the snow thing we were talking about last week. Oh, <laughs> that was brilliant. Whoops. Uh, if I could be there to just go, whoops, that'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> to Gerard, like, please. Uh, uh. So, if you want to uh, induce some dinosaur-based hilarity, uh, you can get in touch with us, as we mentioned before, Miles Offside Pod on Twitter, Miles Offside on Facebook, and milesoffsidepod at gmail.com if you want to email us something. And as Oscar said, please give us a review. It helps other people find this nonsense. Five stars, obviously. Yeah, if you can do that, that would really help us out. So thank you very much. Yeah, and please please get in touch because we literally have nothing to talk about next week. Hopefully you'll have plenty to talk about in terms of big life events. <laughs> yeah. Why? What's going on? Nothing, mate. Nothing. Don't worry about it. The England uh, match. Barkley's going to play for England. <laughs> England, like, what, Estonia or something? I don't know. <laughs> I genuinely have no idea. <laughs> Croatia, maybe. I don't know. Lewis Dunks in the fucking England squad. This has all gone to shit. <laughs> I'm still really mad about international football with the U.S. not making the World Cup and then Germany doing what they did. Like, <laughs> I just need a I need a couple of years off. I don't fucking care. I don't want to talk about it. Build a bridge, OP. Build a bridge. <laughs> and then jump off it. So speaking of that, we are looking for things to talk about for, I think, what we're going to call a bonus episode next week. Uh, if Boner episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if Chuck makes it... Uh, then that'll be great. But uh, if if your babies come by then, they all they do is sleep. To start with mate, it's easy, it's easy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's pretty easy. Yeah, piece of piss, mate. 
Um, so we're, we're looking for topics. And if, if you leave it to us, it's going to be Star Wars or Disney films. Uh, dinosaurs, apparently. Rocky. Rocky. You're desperate to get yeah Arnold Schwarzenegger film. So, yeah, if you've got anything you'd like us to talk about that might not be football related, then let us know. Let's go crazy. Let's have some more pooping ourselves stories. <laughs> like the oh, last Maybe we'll do that. Maybe if you want more embarrassing stories, send in your embarrassing stories. We can yeah, do an anonymous we could, episode. We could where... have an embarrassing stories episode. That might be good. You could, you know, help you with your catharsis of getting it out into the world. Yeah, just yeah. make up a fake name like Dave did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And say you live in Emu Plains. Yeah. Or like a like a agony uncle thing where people tell us their problems. And then we don't solve them, we just laugh. Oh yeah, we fucking, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, no, we shouldn't say that first of all, because we need to get them in. Yeah. No, because we'll really help you. This is and, a safe space, Chuck. How many times do we have yeah. to say it's a safe space? I, I, I won't send it on WhatsApp to all my friends and family and just laugh at your expense, no. You know he's lying because he doesn't have friends, so don't worry, you're fine. Or family. <laughs> <laughs> Except for a grandfather who invented Twix. Wasn't a grandfather, guys. I'm not getting into this. Sister? Did the sister invent tricks? I lose track. No, my sister didn't. My sister did the family tree. I think that's what you said. I was really drunk when we recorded that bit, guys. <laughs> Let's not pretend that I was anything oh, anything but incoherent. Oh, that was a good one. Well, thank you very much, guys, for another excellent, fun-packed week. If you think it was fun-packed, I don't know. Um, say goodbye, Oscar. Goodbye, Oscar. Say goodbye, Ian. Good luck, Chuck. Yeah, and it's goodbye from me. That's dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs>